Welcome to the Rudo Love Podcast, a series of interviews and anecdotes tailored for the inquisitive souls of today. For this week's Uu interview, where I ask juicy questions to people that move me, I have Mark Longbottom joining me over the airwaves. Now, Mark knew about my intent to podcast before I even launched, and being a podcast host himself, I really am excited to have him on finally. <laughs> We've been talking about this for a while, and I knew that I wanted to ask him, and here he is. Welcome, Mark. Thank you for having me on. You've got a great <laughs> radio voice, by the way. Like, you're made for podcasting. <laughs> you, sound, you do sound great. You've been, I know, you've been, you've been sort of threatening this for a while, and um, it's wonderful to see that mm -hmm. you press record. Oh, yeah. And thanks to Bjorn for getting all of my tech and producing and giving me a beautiful microphone. So I'm so, so grateful. And so to introduce you a little bit, I thought that I would just say that you've spent a large portion of your life between the UK and Aotearoa, and you've been managing charitable foundations in one capacity or another for what, 20 years? Yeah, God, I, you're right, 100%. I'm, I'm really split between, uh, being British and, and being Kiwi, um, I'm I've I've sort of worked on both sides of the world, uh, and <laughs> rather curiously, people say to me, you know, if you didn't live in Auckland, which I currently live in, where would you want to live? And I'd, I'd probably give you London or Bristol, or so I'm I'm definitely split. Um, I have worked sort of in the nonprofit space, I guess, but more recently in the in the last sort of fifteen years in the sort of business for good. Um, mm. space if there is one so that real focus around if there is one, <laughs> <laughs> there is one um, the real focus around uh, the good side of business or businesses waking up to the fact that their purpose could be beyond just making a profit so that you know mm. they could do something impactful and they had a lot of you, when you're working in charity which I've done you realize that the biggest challenge is the real lack of resource um, and then you get to business and you and you see that there is there is resource, which is great. But um, yeah, real uh, was I think been exposed to um, kind of a sales environment in the eighties made me really determined um, to do something more with my life. So I think that's that sort of motivated two or three decades of of um, of this sort of work. That's beautiful. I kind of want to ask you a little bit about how you interview or what you've learned about interviewing and also what your observation of that time that you've had in charitable organizations and just a little bit about yourself. Sound yeah, good? Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been podcasting for a couple of years now, started during um, the kind of COVID lockdown. Um, I would come back from the UK and um, was still working for my UK company, but having to sort of um, refocus locally and just started to really, you know, those New Zealanders in this hardcore lockdown. Um, mm. we, you know, we couldn't we could leave our suburbs. Um, there was this, I think, for a lot of people, just starting to really focus on who they were, yeah, why they did what they did, and I did the same. So I would walk. I do these long walks with my then uh, eighteen-month-old child. Um, I'd be working at nighttime, but walking around my suburb during the day, doing these long walks and just started to focus on, I, do you know, I really love talking to people. Yes. I'm super curious about and interested in their 
story, like their origin story, um, I would listen That's to... That's how I say it too, origin is story. That, yeah, I just find them fascinating. And I'd, I'd listen to, this is after many, many years of listening to sort of randomly entrepreneurial podcasts, which didn't really particularly relate to my sector. But um, I really love that the bravery and determination and clarity of thought of people have when yeah, they go the and mindset thing mindset thing i was that's totally right and and that's that sort of that those sort of things led to me to saying actually do you know what why don't i start my own and it was part of it was being connecting back to the uk which i'd just left and i was kind of missing at the time and a bit of me was regretting you know oh have i done the right thing leaving the uk mm. love that place love mm. loves i'd got you know for work i would go up to london and have five conversations in a row, five coffees and five conversations, um, and realizing actually if I started a podcast, maybe I could just do that and just All right. But I you just get a lot of some en- of that. Yeah, exactly. I get a lot of energy from it, um, and I'm at at the start I wasn't very good at it particularly, but um, hopefully I've improved. Uh, I, think, the inter- I think you're incredible. <laughs> do you have like a sort of? interviewer icon or someone that's inspired you or um something you fashion yourself off of yeah this is this is uh probably not so typical either but there's this there's this guy called andrew warner um and he is one of the first tech uh podcasters i guess i've been listening to him for like more than six years he he's completely different style to me he runs a podcast called Mixergy, and it really focuses on. He's moved to Texas recently, but he was previously in San Francisco, interviewing a lot of tech startup entrepreneurs. And he's done all the big ones, but he he um, has a real style where he uh, is completely different to me. He's way more aggressive. He asks, he, he, you know, I feel he like clarif- you kind of have to be if you're talking to tech people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. But what I really like about it is that he's really present, and Ooh. he. He's really good at clarifying, and in fact, he's written a book. And I'm not, and I'm not here particularly to pr- plug his book. But if you have an interest in interviewing, yes, um, his book is a really good one because it's called "Stop Asking Questions," which I thought was fascinating. So, um, it's a bit of a bible for me. But yeah, Andrew Warner Mixergy is is my inspiration. But I've got a Very few cool. others. I'm a bit of a podcast nut. Are uh, you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what are the um, what are the aspects of interviewing that you love? I think it, I love being naturally curious. I love the fact that focus isn't particularly on me, which is, this makes this uh, interview a little bit more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd turn the tables a little bit on yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> people often, I just don't think people get listened to enough. And mm. the power, the power of listening is phenomenal. So you, what you find is that just by listening well and not necessarily, you know, jumping in. And, and, you know, it's that old age of like, oh, oh, yeah, that reminds me of a story when you, oh, yeah, that happened to me and I blah, 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 blah. That, that stuff around just really focusing on the person, their story, why they do things. And you could just feel their energy starts to build and you get a lot out of them. And I just come out of it feeling kind of a little bit high, I think, mm. is, is the truth. And yeah. I, and that's, <laughs> which is part of the problem because, so I'm, when I started, I was typically was doing UK people late at night and really late at night. Oh, no. And I'd, and I'd just be buzzing till one, one or two in the morning. So the actual, you know, interview, that was fine, but it was the kind of buzz that it gave me. But you, you also find yourself 
learning a lot, which is that kind of transaction, you know, between the two of you. Yeah. And that, and that helps you and you find yourself in positions where you might be giving advice or you might be offering insights and you sort of draw, I draw on all these conversations I've had with other people as the middle person. So, yeah. Mm. So you're like two years into your craft here. Yeah. Do you have advice for people who are going to be interviewed? Yeah, good question. So I think the clarifying the why is the most important thing. Like why that person's asked you to be on the podcast. Just, you know, finding out what you need to find out to get comfortable and to show the best side of yourself. Mm, um, I like that. Yeah, one of the, uh, the I kind of learned this from Andrew Water actually, which is one of the really good tactics is to remind people why you invited them on the podcast and that your intention is is good. Mm. Um, and if there's any difficult questions, so you know you might have seen something about their past or their history that you want to bring up, and it's difficult, well, you know, ask that in advance and and give them that warning, give them the opportunity. Because you know you're not there. It's not investigative journalism. You know, like it's you're supposed to be trying to bring draw out the best of the person, or whether it's humor, you know, whether it's information, whether it's stories, whether it's insights. Yeah. Um, so I think I think just that clarity around why you're on, and then being honest with people, people, and then just kind of put them at ease would be the, a great a great thing. I've certainly noticed a difference in the way that my brain operates now that I've been doing this for a little bit, nowhere near as long as you, but there's a little bit more fluidity to my thoughts. I'm a little bit less rambling. I wouldn't say I'm more succinct. I just think that words come together differently for me now. And what I like about thinking about the exchange of interviewing is what you've just said, ensuring that there is good intent because what I've, what I've learned is that, you know, the assumption of what's going on behind my head doesn't necessarily reassure or translate to the people that I'm interacting with. So thank you for kind of clarifying clarity, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, you know, that's, that's a probably a big, um, like value, I guess I would, would, I'm, I'm making assumptions about you, but you know, you talk about purpose, you, which to me is about clarity and intent. So having that be like a, the front foot of how you interview and how you assure the people that you're interviewing is very meaningful and and perhaps unique. I don't know. Possibly. I mean, I thought at the beginning, you know, like it, it's get someone on who's, you know, high, super high profile, um, you know, uh, maybe a celebrity, um, maybe hugely controversial, controversial, you know, mm. it'll ha- help me grow my audience. And Juicy. All that sort of stuff. But actually <laughs> what I came to the realization of is actually it's, it's, um, you know, what do I know? Um, what do I bring to the party? What am I interested in? What are my audience? What am I, gifting to my audience mm. and then how does this person align with that so that's sort of in the selection phase of, of welcoming a guest on and then it's just from there it's just clarity and getting the best out of the person you know and and showcasing them in the best way because um, i've had i've had controversial figures on 
and they were from, you know, they were from the non-profit space. But I didn't want, it wasn't around tri- tripping them up or uh, trying to get a cheap shot or create some clickbait, you know, like it was yeah. around why did they do, why did they do what they did? What was the, the scenario at the time? What were the other things at play? And then, you know, there might be some challenge in there from me. But yeah, it's just, I think podcasting is all around the why because why is your listener there? Why is your guest there? Why are you there? And if you can have some clarity around all those three, then I think you people will hang around and listen. That's Do why. you go back and listen to podcasts that you've, episodes that ah, you've made? It's a, that's a really good question because typically no, but I've done that a bit recently. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah, it was, too, it was a little bit painful. <laughs> the, the really the really good thing about it was that it r- reminded me that I've come a, fit, a long way and it feels yeah. like got better at it. You know, I think that said, some people just really got off the bat, right? But um, I was, I kind of, I think I would go into sort of, um, I just have my head in like, what's the next question? And you could probably tell that a little bit. And I sounded really wooden. Uh, I thought, but hey, you know, we're often. Oh, you're ourselves. the worst critic of yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. totally. But if you find that as well, like, but you, oh, when you first yeah. start just being used to the kind of tech and being used to the scenario and the fact that you said you're going to press record. But when you do that repetition, when you do that loads of times, you're, you know, you then you can, you get comfortable with that. Then you start listening better. Then, you know, like, and you know, because I, I would typically, interesting about midway through i started listening to other interviewers and asking and trying to use their tactics and mm-hmm. then i've sort of thrown them out recently and just goes with what's right for me and what feels right with me and i think that it would be better experience for the listener you know rather than trying to be someone yeah, we're listening for you yeah and people who follow you return again and again and again not just because of the quality of the guests that you bring on but because of what who you are yeah. And that energy for a topic or that passion for a topic, that's the feedback I've had consistently had from people who've said, um, you know, you sound you sound like you really care about what you're talking about and mm. you sound passionate about what what you're talking about because That's ideal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cuz I'm I'm not going to be like I don't aspire to be a BBC uh radio host or you know like a, it's not about perfection, it's about something else you know connection but no, yeah exactly connection mm. so yeah and do you know what one of the awesome things about it is you can it gives you the rights or gives you the sort of structure to li- almost have anyone on the shoulder virtually or in person and say will you come and have a conversation with me oh yeah and to, to, i don't know if you find this typically they don't say no and you suddenly then connect with someone else who's awesome and you've got this, you've always got this bond together, you know? Like. Absolutely. Definitely have found that. And mm. just that there's just riffing off of that. There's um, almost like a hierarchy of process for most events in our life, right? Like there's a sense of like that person's too busy or that person is in this industry, therefore, you know, cold calling or, you know, just random reach outs aren't necessarily going to be successful. And yet there's a bravery and a sort of, it's a humble bravery to ask someone if they'd like, if they'd care to be on your show. And with that, it's, it's so rare because everything in our life is on some degree following a formula. And 
for me, starting a podcast was an opportunity to break out of, and I, and I love that part. I love being able to break patterns, have something new. And again, like you said, have that bonding experience with someone perhaps that you wouldn't have been able to do organically otherwise. Yeah. Humble bravery. That's a wonderful way of putting it because you're, because you're confident enough to say, look, I'm, you know, Hey, I'll get a podcast and <laughs> I, I, and I, you know, like I, I know what I'm talking about and, and I, and I publish my content, you know, that, that's a pretty brave thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. but actually saying, I see value in you, uh, and I want you, to, you know, to come on and I want to showcase your brilliance, your superpowers, whatever it is. Like, it's just, a, it's a nice exchange, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And because you're interviewing people with a specific bent, they're either part of community impact or caring for the environment. I'm assuming that there's something deep inside of you that, that, that burns for that, that burns for seeing change in our society, seeing um, us being able to protect and sustain our environment better. Like, what is that for you? How, how did that, what's the birth what's your orange origin story for that really well put um i tell you, i i think there's something around this empathy is probably the strongest word in this and that i guess i was born into a really uh quite empathetic family and oh cool me too that, yeah that but that kind of con is a constant i guess like uh and so it just, it's not even frontal lobe st- kind of stuff. It's just a sort of feeling of like, uh, like I, I don't, I really hate in, injustice. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a super, this is a strange, uh, story I'm going to tell you, but super, uh, mild, relaxed, you know, often called relaxed. Relaxed can be a double edged sword though, right? Cause relaxed Indeed. means, <laughs> but relaxed person on a train, you know, there's a young sort of 18 year old in front of me. Uh, a woman comes on and just balls out this 18 year old like for for whatever i can't remember what it was but this is in the uk it's on a train just balls them out because they kind of know that this person's young and they're not going to probably fight their corner or come back at them strong and you know i i really stood up for that person in fact i physically stood up and and was like became their defender and was and you know being super um powerful in their defense and and thinking gosh i don't even do that for myself sometimes or haven't done throughout my life but i just the injustice of those moments that's when i i get quite passionate so i guess that links to the sector and i just couldn't struggle to i would struggle to work in a role or for an organization uh that wasn't trying to do something meaningful um and it might Mm -hmm. sound a bit cliched but if they if it was just all about making people more money than that that would be a real disconnect for me but um i've been on the full i've been on the full journey like i you know i uh went to, so came out of college traveled uh my mum's a psychotherapist i was thinking i really like talking to people this is kind of early indeed yeah. and how <laughs> really, does that make you feel Mark? <laughs> yeah. but it all felt a bit serious and a bit heavy and i felt too young and actually one of her, her colleagues said to me like just go to uni and you know go and find yourself and that was yes. good advice so yes. i did, did a degree in sociology I think I was a Marxist in year one. I was a <laughs> Fuconian in year two. And by the end of it, I was much more balanced. But that 
journey around working in the, in the nonprofit, I just, I'd been in sort of sales, these part-time jobs, and I'd seen people be quite ugly about money. Mm. And I was like, and, you know, like I, I saw friends earning a lot of money working for some sort of quite sort of capitalist-type organizational environments. And I just knew that in 20 or 30 years' time that I that wouldn't be enough for me. So why bother with the midlife crisis at, mm. at 30 or 40? Why not just do it from here, even if it's a slow burn? Um, and my desire to make whatever I do make a positive impact was just etched in my brain as yes. I came out of, out of university. Beautiful. Okay, I'm going to ask you a slightly personal question. So I'll offer up my own answer first in a sort of cool. gratitude kind of way. You've just made me want to share this, that I've kind of recently been on a journey of reimagining my relationship with money, just like financial um, attributes for myself, not necessarily how it operates in the world, but just how I view money, my relationship to it. And that's something that I'm looking to heal. I think that there is a early childhood kind of anchor that I assumed that making money meant that I was potentially um, unethical or bad, um, that there was like a fork in the road that you either go for money or you go for, you know, ethics. And I didn't consciously know that I had kind of made that assumption, but I'm kind of uncovering it a bit. There's a beautiful book called Let's Talk. We have, we need to talk about money or something like that. It's an Otega uh, book. And I just, I love it. And I love the idea of being able to look at whatever kind of scripting or blueprint is underneath it all and your motivation. So that's my kind of purposeful commitment for myself and my development this year. Mm. Do you have one of those? <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because I've spent, you know, I did a couple, almost a couple of decades, I guess, in fundraising. Uh, and that's all about asking people for money. Uh, and realizing that actually I wasn't very good at that. I don't I remember with a colleague like leaving a restaurant with some donors and, and um, I was talking to one donor and she was talking to the other and we're just having, you know, um, talking about stuff and, and I overheard what she was saying and I, and I, then I reflected on what we were talking about and I was asking this person, did they have children? What? How's their career? Where do they live? You know, all this sort of biographical, like origin stuff. And she was like, you know, it wasn't quite like this, but you know, how much money have you got? Are you keen on supporting this? When when can you get the, the donation to us? <laughs> and it, and I realized that I that sort of sales or that sort of um, money stuff, I for you know probably shouldn't do, but I I do. I struggle with, I guess. And mm. in terms of my own money, I t typically don't like to think about money particularly. I, I just, I like to focus on the exchange of value and the reason and the purpose. And then that, all that other stuff will take care of it, which, you know, can not always be a good thing. Um, <laughs> but the, I like that, that though, the exchange of value. Exchange of value. And that's that kind of, um, what's really good is I think, I think so, sales, if you want to call it that, has changed a lot. So I think, um, oh really? It's I think it's much more around uh, authentic, you know, authentic 
interactions. We do what we do. You do what you do. Do those two things align? Can we right. add value? Can we add value to what you're doing? Um, that alignment of what you offer, purpose, all that sort of stuff. And then actually the deal could just be done because all of those things match up. But, but m- maybe other people tell me that's rubbish. And actually, you know, people don't know what they want half the time and you got to just show them and tell them and sell them. That's <laughs> super creepy sounding to me. <laughs> I like your version of reality way better. <laughs> mm. Do you have some messaging that you give your kids around the work that you do? Do I, I think I'm more of a, uh, I think I'm sort of by the end of the week, I'm, or I focus a lot on that real intense in- interaction in the workplace, uh, and with friends, but with my children, I, I, I find myself being a different kind of parent actually. I'm much more on the surprise myself in many ways, but I'm much more on the lead by example than by advice, um, mm. which has surprised me because, you know, you can't shut me up and friendships and I'm, you know, I'll give it advice. It doesn't work the same way with kiddos though. <laughs> it doesn't. You're absolutely right. Um, so you're just saving the, yourself some energy. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> and <The> goodwill. <laughs> value, value stuff seems to be the bit I really focus on. And so, but in terms of like, what do I do for a job about my podcast? Like it's all talked about and, and laughed about and, you know, they, well, they're seeing you live a purposeful, yeah, passionate yeah, life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the stuff you learn. So I've got, I've got four children, 18 down to three. And, um, the best moments were, are uh, when the 18 year old says, you know, you, dad's really hardworking. Uh, you know, there's all that, that stuff that mm. they say to other people or you overhear them talking and you, and you don't know you're necessarily being seen or that they appreciate it. But when they're older, they give you their, they do give you yeah, it slips and their, their grumpy teenageness <laughs> falls away. And, but, but yeah, it's not, it's, I don't, um, you know, we don't do the stuff around, you know, you've got to pick your cause, you've got to raise the money for it. Like we don't do that sort of pres- more prescribed mm-hmm. um, social impact training <laughs> for our children. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in terms of kind of that, that hope, that desire to believe that things will go well because we are inherently driving towards that, like more collectively than not. Mm. Do you have more hope these days or? Yeah. Cause I, the one word that has been kind of resonating for a, f- um, a few months now, cause one of the problems is, around the world that I work in and the sort of people interview and it, is it, you know, in terms of describing or, or nailing the terminology or the vernacular, is it nonprofit? Is it, um, you know, the charity, no one, uh, business for good. What is it? But actually the one word that, um, I really have landed on is, uh, interviewing or talking to or working with optimists and mm. that optimism, like, that's and I surround myself on ref- looking at it with optimists, and I think if you haven't got optimism, what the hell have we got? You know, like that's and that feels that's been tested. <laughs> but I guess one thing about having uh, being a bit older and being lived through you know different scenarios in life is that 
you know, you, you realize some of the, some of the negativity, the lack of optimism can be, um, can comes and goes. Um, so yeah, optimism and I do feel optimistic about the future because I, I see enough of it in the people coming through and young people coming through at this. I love the fact that young people, you know, hold that better world stuff just as a standard, you know, that it's not just about them and it's about others. And I really see that as a common trait in the next generation coming through, which is makes, makes me feel really good about the future. Oh my gosh. And just the level of transparency that I see, like we are, there was such a kind of sense of, we don't talk about this in my parents' generation, where there's just certain things that you just weren't allowed to talk to, whether it was like, you know, a physical ailment or, you know, like a, a family black mark of some sort. But now there's, you know, whether it's history, whether it's society, whether it's, you know, um, culture, there is much more of a willingness to be brought into conversation now, which I'm mm. also, you know, that that's an interesting tension for me because it doesn't necessarily lean towards optimism at, at face value, but I feel like you kind of have to be an optimist to go, okay, well, there has been so much oppression. There has been such horrific choices made by humans and yet, and yet, you know? Yeah. Cause I, th I think, so I'm a generation, I'm generation X and the one regret I have, I think, and our generation should have, is that we just didn't question enough right. around some things. So, you know, that we, we just took as red or mm -hmm. that's just how life is or like what makes me absolutely sing is when I see young people questioning the reality and questioning the control or questioning the kind of how life needs to be heck yeah uh, and that's and you know because it's stuff stuff is changing stuff has changed um you know like it's absolutely doesn't have to say the same um and i've these little points in, in my life where you kind of go you know i wish i'd question things a bit more and but but you know that goes back to my personality uh i think you know like i'm fairly softly softly focused on empathy and you know like i'm quite into people's stories and mm. uh, <laughs> so question, questioning or being uh an activist is not really my happy place it's it's much more around drawing out the best out of people and, and empathy and listening to people um oh, doesn't make that. doesn't make me ir an irritating husband or an annoying father though right <laughs> of course not <laughs> yeah why are you asking so many questions <laughs> yeah yeah I, I got told off actually out with friends recently and they were like my god it was like we we're like at the mark longbottom podcast the <laughs> the, po the podcast had come to the pub or something yeah asked too many questions <laughs> it's all just you know it's all about insecurity though Rudo. it's all about um if i if i really focus on someone else's story i don't have to show much of my own or talk about myself so oh well thank <laughs> you, you for coming on to here you've <laughs> probably talked more about yourself in the last 30 minutes than you probably have <laughs> <laughs> Yay. No, it, you you deserve to be investigated as well to some degree. <laughs> and I I mean, I'm appreciating it, so thank you. Awesome. So, during the uu interviews, I like to ask 
questions of my guests and the ones that you hopefully have not heard. And I'm going to just kind of ask them, no pressure, just they're kind of free-flowing questions. Are you ready for my, my random yeah. questions? Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So imagine that you could spend a day with a version of yourself, either from the past, the present, or the future. Which would you choose? Wow. That's good. <laughs> <Thanks. laughs> uh, wow. There's no wrong answer here, Mark. No. <laughs> I think I think the twenty something uh would be would be the most yeah, that would because I would the point would the purpose of it would hit me in terms of you could spend some time with yourself and try and influence yourself, which then would lead to some, you know, good stuff in the future. So it'd be the twenty something mark because I would kind of tell myself to focus more on the what you're really good at and what you you bring to the table and less on the i should do this i'm not good enough you know like i'm oh interesting oh okay. yeah like that kind of i, I think one of, the narr- one of the narratives i had in my head growing up was more around what i couldn't do and that mm. i wasn't brilliant at a lot of stuff so it would be getting in my ear and saying um, that's assuming I could talk to myself. Um, yes. For, forget all of that and just focus on what you're good at. Oh, uh, beautiful. Yeah. Okay. I, I had this thing when I was little, I would read voraciously those kind of factoid books, like 101 facts you didn't know about planet earth or um, just anything I could get my hands on. I was, you know, I think there's a kind of developmental stage where you just want to know everything or just a little bit about everything. So some of those facts stick with me. They're in my brain still. And I'm wondering what has left my brain that I've (laughs) maintained room for these random factoids. Do you have one of those kinds of like, wow, why is this still in my head? I've learned so many things. Yeah, gosh. Um, I think, no, no, because typically I'm not big on facts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so i have is it I, like a skill or like how do i know how to do that um i think it's probably the the kind of curiosity thing the like growing up i'd have i'd be a very practical men around me so my dad's very good at practical stuff my dad's dad was incredibly built a boat in his front yard all that sort of stuff and and they would uh this is all around me, right? They built boats, they, you know, all this stuff. And and Mm. I just found myself not particularly interested in that and just not, you know, it was vaguely interesting, but Mm -hmm. I would find myself around my mum and my aunties and I would just be listening to their, you know, like that talk all about interesting stuff. Like Mm -hmm. who's married to so-and-so, who's less so-and-so, like that kind of real uh, dramatic (laughs) interrelational stuff. And I and so I think the, if I had to say uh, from quite a young age that sort of emotional um, language or that uh, you know interest around human story and all that I found that fascinating and would oh, really wow. zero in on that more so than than all the 
talk. Yeah, I'm struggling to. You really painted. <laughs> you you painted such a beautiful picture for me just then. I feel like you you've paid you paid the ferryman on that question because I just was so taken into your childhood realm for a second there. That was like so powerfully elicited for me. <laughs> that was awesome. It's gonna let me off the lack of a fact. You let yes. me off that. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> So we're approaching the end of the interview. Was there anything that you wanted to talk about today that I haven't asked you? Um, I mean, just, yeah, prom- promote my podcast would be wonderful if I get a little sales moment. Um, Heck so, yeah. <laughs> so it's people inspired by purpose is, is the focus. Easily found via purposelypodcast.com. But it it's, you know, we're closing in on 100 interviews and congratulations um, yeah which is and it's been been magnificent it's people who are from all parts of the world which is which is great so it leads to a lot of real variance but yeah if, if you if you want to listen to people and find out their why and that these people are optimists they're innovators they are leaders often and they're all joined in the common goal of trying to make the you know the world better socially and environmentally uh, and it's an absolute pleasure of me to bring them to you know these people's their voices their stories to the to the fore mm. um so have a listen to that that'd be wonderful and um yeah rudo thanks for the opportunity to talk to you really enjoyed it <laughs> wonderful mark this has just been a dream i've really enjoyed our chat and i'll i'll pl- i'll link in the in the show notes, um, how to find your podcast and find a little bit more about you. You've got an accompanying blog with your podcast, which is really cool. And and you've had on some really, really wonderful people, people that I admire as well. I can't believe you've had Alina on. She's like one of my favorite people yeah. in Aotearoa. <laughs> yeah, no, she is oh, super cool. And her what level, a dynamo. level of productivity is off the scale. Like it's terrifying. She, yeah, she's an in- inspiration, isn't she? So. Oh, my God. And just a fabulous human being, <laughs> yeah. <definitely. laughs> Which is, you know, you, she's amongst good company within your podcast. I, I just love seeing who you have on. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thanks for definitely. the work that you do. Cheers. Okay, everyone. Um, I will see you again for another episode. Um, be well. Kakiti anoa ho iakoto.